What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Think they want me to laugh? I think they're inviting me on this journey, you know? But it... <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Aaron Dicer and Jeremy Scott. Nice date, but kind of uh, begs the question, why the hell you're working at Adventure Life? Well, you know, my dad's a lawyer. It's been his lifelong dream for his daughter to work at Adventureland. Hello, everybody! Hi, everybody! Welcome to the Chatters. This is Recotopia episode 77. The big recommend this week is Adventureland with Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg. Before we jump into that, we got some small recommends, and uh, Aaron Dicer, my co-host, I forgot to say my name. I'm and I'm Aaron Dicer. Thank you. <laughs> um, Aaron, did you bring us any small recommends this week? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. I did, I did, I did. Uh, hey. Let's start in the television arena. Uh, Prime has released uh, Good Omens Season 2. Now, Ooh. if you don't know anything about Good Omens, it is Michael Sheen and uh, David Tennant starring as a demon and an angel who are working together undercover against the wishes of their bosses uh, on Earth. Uh, very interesting show that plays in elements of... Um, traditional ideas of religion and the afterlife those kind of things very much reminds me of the good place in that mm. way it's got a very good place feel to it and a little bit of a doctor who feel to it now part of that is david Tennant, uh obviously was uh the doctor but it's also a a british series it's very british the 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 settings the actors all that now you may see a naked john, uh, john ham in the picture uh standing behind them oh. he, he uh does play uh gabriel the angel gabriel uh in the first season for a little bit and then even more prominently in season two i've watched the entire season mm. uh it is uh really really fun i really enjoyed this show so i wanted to bring it to people's attention good mm -hmm. omens i love michael sheen but this is one i have not gotten to yet this where, is where uh, is it again it's on prime it okay. is a uh neil uh neil gaiman um joint oh, all right so all right. So, yeah. All right. I will bump it up the list. Uh, that's very interesting. Good actors. Naked John Hamm. Who's going to turn that down? That's right. Um, my first small, small recommend of the week is a 2001 film uh, called Enemy at the Gates. Um, and this stars Jude Law, uh, Rachel Weiss, Ed Harris, Joseph Fiennes, Ron Perlman. And oddly enough, Bob Hoskins. Um, mm -hmm. This is based on a nonfiction book about a Russian sniper. Uh, after the Battle of Stalingrad? I'm going to sound like a moron. Uh, yeah, Battle of Stalingrad. And uh, he rallied the troops by getting all his kills, and they wrote about him in the Army newspaper. Uh, there are actual historians who do not believe this guy existed, which I think is fascinating. Uh, the movie does not follow the nonfiction book 
perfectly or exactly. Um, so this is a fictionalized telling of a nonfiction story about a man who may have been fictitious. Um, and uh, Jude Law plays a guy who just has really good marksmanship and demonstrates it while hiding from enemies with a superior officer who then later recommends him to the sniper outfit. And his name is Vasily, and he becomes an icon. He becomes uh, bigger than a man in his reputation, and he rallies his troops. I should tell you, this is the German army fighting the Russian army, and you're rooting for the Russian army, which is World War II. Um, that's probably fair in context. It's a little odd given modern day relations between our countries, but uh, I find this to be a collection of entirely super tense scenes surrounded by some boring talky scenes. It is a 54 on Rotten Tomatoes. That sounds bad. But on IMDb, it's a 7.5, which is unusually good. So the critics didn't care for it much. Uh, audiences that came to it later have enjoyed it. And Ed Harris is brought in as a German sniper uh, to take out this Russian sniper uh, so he can make all their troops get sad and not fight well. Anyway, uh, I think this is a little too long, a little too talky, but the tension uh, and the acting, I think, is worth a watch. And uh, there you go. Enemy at the Gates. It's currently only available on Hulu. It's only available with the premium subscription at all these places and Paramount Plus uh, premium subscription. It must be on one of the movie channels right now. So there you go. Uh, my second small recommend uh, is a recent release on Netflix. It is a movie called They Cloned Tyrone. Um, what's that? I want to see this so bad. You should want to see it. It is really, really good. Uh, Jamie Foxx, John Boyega, and Tayona Paris are kind of the three at the center here. Kiefer Sutherland steps in to really chew some villainous scenery uh, throughout. This is a movie that feels like it could have been made in the black exploitation era, like the way mm. it's shot, kind of the way the characters act, which is really interesting because the movie has a lot to say about the idea of black exploitation, the idea of how people of color have been used not only in entertainment, but in the world. And the idea, without giving too much away, is that in this uh, African-American community, there is a hidden, let's say sci-fi, maybe governmental, whatever thing going on that they are discovering this mystery of. And that mystery becomes very metaphorical, but not pedantic. And I really, really uh, appreciate that. Um, this movie's fun. It has a lot of uh, laugh lines that me as a middle-aged white man was uncomfortable laughing at. Mm. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those movies where it's like, am I, am I, think, I think they want me to laugh. I think they're inviting me on this journey, you know? But, it, <laughs> but it's but it's kind of that thing where uh, some of the things that are being talked about and said are uh, outside of my realm of understanding uh, because of uh, how I was raised and mm -hmm. who I am and the privilege that I grew up with. So uh, highly recommend it. I think it's a great watch no matter what. Um, so they cloned Tyrone is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. so there you now go. is this, this is Boots Riley, right? The guy that made Sorry to Bother You? Um, it is very much like Sorry to Bother You, but it is not Boots Riley. The director really? is uh, Joel Taylor, uh, and it is a, a first-time director, I believe. Joel Taylor, uh, I believe it's their first one. Oh, well, so, what is Boots? oh Boots Riley has a series that's new. Um, could be, could be. This is uh, great radio. 
Joel Taylor also uh, wrote uh, the screenplay for the movie as well. So um, with with a co-writer, but uh, but yes, yeah, so a writer director. Okay, yeah. One. Boots Riley has a new show on Prime called "I'm a Virgo." It came out this year. It's a comedy, and I guess I there just confused the two. Um, <clears throat> all right, my second small recommend is a movie I saw quite by accident a couple days ago. Uh, it was classic Jeremy flipping through the movie channel TV guide. Oops, Here's a watch the movie. movie. <laughs> Here's a recent movie that I have never heard of with people in it I know. Let's check it out. It's a 2023 film called You're Killing Me. Um, the people that I knew that were in it were Anne Heche and Dermot Mulroney, but they are both pretty small parts. Uh, the cast is mostly teens uh, who were who new to me. Uh, McKaylee Miller is the lead, and she was in Ma, which I have seen, but I didn't remember. I didn't recognize her face. This is um, a movie about a graduating high school senior who, who is a scholarship student, and she's on wait list at the school she wants to attend. Her family has never had anyone go to college. And she gets desperate and decides there's a party being held. It's a heaven and hell party uh, mm. being held at this really rich kid's house. His dad's a congressman. And she feels like she can get the congressman alone in a room and convince him to write a letter of recommendation to boost her up the list. Her name, going to the heaven and hell party, her name is Eden. So there's a lot of like biblical naming and mm -hmm. language in here. I'm going to spoil the first 20 minutes of this movie just to try and get you to watch it. They go to this party. Everybody gets a little wasted. Uh, her friend passes out, and this dude lays down next to her friend and snaps pictures of him kissing her. Uh, really inappropriate stuff, and Eden walks in on it. And the dude freaks out and leaves. And then they look at his phone. And what they find on the phone caused them to try and blockade the door and keep anyone else from coming in the house or coming in that room the rest of the night. And it turns into a horror movie all because of the stuff they find on that phone. And it's, uh, I was really engaged. Uh, I wouldn't call it an A++, uh, but it's no frills. Um, and, you know, not very good scores on the reviews. 86 Rotten Tomatoes, 5 on IMDb. So we'll reverse the last one. The critics loved it. Audiences that have come to it later have not, <laughs> nice. uh, except for me. So maybe I will goose it up the list for some of you. It's on Showtime right now, uh, and I quite enjoy the ride. So there you go. You're killing me. That's my small recommend. Nice. All right, now, everybody, it's time for the big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. And that's Adventureland. This is a 2009 film from Greg Matola, uh, who actually grew up near the real Adventureland theme park in New York and worked there as a teenager. But this one is set at a fictional Adventureland in Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh. And it stars Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen, John Kristen Johnson, Kristen Stewart, Ryan Reynolds, Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, and Martin Starr are probably most of the names that you will recognize in this film. Jesse Eisenberg plays James. Uh, and this marks the second film where the opening scene, Jesse Eisenberg's girlfriend dumps him. Um, happens in the social network as well. So he gets dumped at a party uh, right around college graduation. It's interesting. First time I saw this movie, I thought they were high school kids, uh, mostly because of the way they behave 
at the theme park, but they're college age kids, uh, which sort of explains all of the drinking um, and drugs that they're doing. Um, <clears throat> he's getting ready to go to Europe um, with Buddy, his best friend. They're going to go to Europe for three months, travel Europe, and then come back to New York City and go to Columbia together and share an apartment. His friend is another rich kid uh, who uh, has an inn on an apartment in New York. But James finds out uh, right when he's telling his parents he needs 200 extra dollars that they're not going to give him any of the money they promised and he can't go to Europe because his dad has been essentially demoted. Uh, I think he might be transferred. Uh, and basically, they're going to have money problems. And if he wants to go to Columbia, he's going to have to take a summer job, which, I mean, I remember being out of college and looking for a job, but I wasn't planning to go to grad school like he is. Uh, he tries to find a job at several places and just doesn't have any experience. So he ends up going to Adventureland, a regional theme park. He also, I guess, used to live here. And he's got this former best friend called Frigo that he hasn't seen in many years. But Frigo works uh, at Adventureland, and that's how he gets the in. Uh, he's assigned to the games department, despite having a low-key personality. Uh, and he learns all the secrets from Joel, another worker there at Martin Star, about how all the games are rigged. Uh, the throw a ball to hit the hat off of the mannequin, the hats are glued on. Throw a ring over the red bottle when a panda, the ring doesn't fit over the red bottle. Um, and, it fits. Uh, it's just impossible to get it. Yes, you yes. have to actually like place it on there for Which it to fit. Which is what happens yeah. later in the film. Yes. yes. Um, and listen, we, I think we've all felt like most of these games were kind of rigged most of our lives anyway. The basketball rim one is my favorite. He walks mm -hmm. under the rim and shows him that it's been hammered into an oval and it's almost impossible <laughs> for the ball to fit in. But from the place where you shoot, you can't tell. It's evil. Theme parks are evil. That's the main <laughs> takeaway from this movie. He also meets M, another girl who works in games. And uh, after the second day, she offers him a ride home, um, and they bond over music. Shortly thereafter, uh, M is hosting a party. M is Kristen Stewart, by the way. Uh, and she invites uh, James to come to the party. She invites uh, Connell to come to the party. Connell is Ryan Reynolds. He's the handyman of the theme park. He's older than all these kids. Um, he has a story about jamming with Lou Reed. He's married, and as we'll learn after the party, uh, he's sleeping with M on the side. Back at the party, she's openly flirting with James. Um, she invites him to go swimming, almost skinny dipping. When they get out of the pool, Frigo makes fun of him and embarrasses him for having an erection. Uh, Frigo is that, I feel like everybody had a friend like this at one point in their life, where they are almost openly antagonistic to the friend group with their actions, but they're super loyal when it comes to it, like when it push comes to shove. Their mindset uh, never left sixth grade. You know, yes. like <laughs> he's constantly punching people in the testicles. And yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's just stuck in puberty or whatever. Mm -hmm. After the party, though, is when we see Ryan Reynolds show up. This is when we learn that they're sleeping together. Um, and she, you know, hints about, you know, how much how much time do we have? You know, she, you can tell that she's getting frustrated with this situation, but she's also so drawn to him. Um, that she starts kissing him and we pan to the right and it's implied that they do the sexy time. Time is a weird construct in this movie because there are times where it feels like only a day has passed and they'll even reference like last night. But by the end of the movie, it's the end of the summer and three months have passed. And right. so you really don't know when we jump to a new scene, how much time has passed between them. I wrote a lot of notes that was like, the next day, and I backed it up and said, not long after, because I don't really know. <laughs> 
So a few days later, Lisa P comes back to work at Adventureland and her reputation uh, arrives ahead of her. Uh, <laughs> she is the hottest girl in the world. Uh, she knows it. And uh, every guy at the theme park um, thinks she's bootylicious. I don't know. They're, <laughs> they're all super attracted to her. Later, James and M go out for a drink bar and they reve he reveals that he's a virgin. Listen, I think one of the reasons I connect to this movie so much is that I was James at various points in my college sure, life. Sure, He's constantly telling people things that he then says, can you not tell anybody that? <laughs> and this is a way that an insecure person tries to build bonds is right. to, I'm going to share right. this secret with you, but oh shit, I actually don't want anybody to know that. He does this all movie long, like telling her at this moment that he's a virgin it's not the right move. And he's even told that later by Connell. But anyway, Connell shows up right at the bar with his wife. And it gets a little weird. James doesn't know what's going on yet. Um, but M decides she wants to go get some air. Um, and then James gets up the nerve and kisses her. She kisses him back. And then this one, I'm pretty sure, is the next morning. But, you know, he's telling his coworker about, you know, I kissed her. Anyway, hormones are weird. So the next time we see them, Em is making plans for a tryst with Connell. And James is smoking weed with Lisa P. By the 4th of July at the park, Em and James are back to crushing on each other, sitting practically on each other's laps while they watch the fireworks. And then they make out afterwards in her car. So love at this age is just messy. Um, and I was never involved with somebody who was, like, a lot older than me the way em mm -hmm. is but i right. can only imagine that further complicates both the emotions the hormones the feelings the what you're thinking and, and so i feel like to a certain extent she's trying to have two lives she's trying to still be her own age and like james because that's appropriate it feels safe and good but she also wants to be an adult be more grown up and and continue on this lustful fling with Connell. Uh, and so I think one of the things the movie does well is represent, you know, the complicatedness of young love when more than one person is in the picture. So uh, Connell's mom calls him for an emergency at her house, and he has James ride along to share. One of, he basically just wants James's weed. Everybody's <laughs> mooching James's weed all movie, and he's just letting them. Again, it's very much like me. Not that I let not that I had weed in college, but I was very much willing to let people walk all over me if it meant that they would be my friend. To be fair, the weed was gifted to him by it a friend. To be fair, you know, like he's, it, he, he was just the transition of this weed from, you know, one yeah. owner to several others. Yes, exactly. Um, and he didn't seem all that excited to get it in the first place. It wasn't like this huge thing that he... He tried was, to give it back. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, James tells Connell that he thinks he loves M uh, because James is dumb, which Connell wastes no time telling M later because Connell is the devil. That was my note. <laughs> anyway, this causes M to close up around James and say, I don't think I'm ready for this. So then after that, Lisa P asks James out. Now, she's mostly doing it to piss off this other dude who's cocky and, and was asking her out. But there's also, I think, a definite intrigue attraction between her and james um and does Connell, he say her, something about i should date a nice guy or something like i feel like there's a line where she like so where we get a little bit of a glimpse into her you know motive to go out with him is like you know i yes. should actually try dating a nice guy yes. <laughs> you know, like, um know. so james asked connell for advice because he doesn't know yet 
But mm-hmm. uh, Connell encourages James to go out with her because, as I wrote again, Connell is the devil. Anyway, James tells everyone about the date because James is a moron and a typical college-age male. And then he later goes on the date with Lisa P and asks her if she can keep the date secret. Like, <laughs> gentlemen, ladies, don't do this. Don't go on a date with someone and say, can you not tell anyone that you and I went on this date? Uh, now, he tells her there's somebody at, at the park that might be sad to know about it. And she instantly knows it's M, right? It's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah. Frigo, who he told about the date, shows up to make sure the date is real. He doesn't believe Lisa P would go out with James, but he sees it and it's real. But then he shakes James down for cash in exchange for not telling. Again, James hoisted by his own petard by telling everyone everything all the time. They smoke a joint after the date and then they kiss a little bit in her car outside the house. The whole vibe for me in this scene is that it's not really working. They're kind of going through the motions. Um, Maybe I'm just reading into that. Um, because we, you know, we want him to like M. Anyway, the next day, M complicates everything even further by apologizing to James for being short with him previously and saying, yeah, I do want to hang out with you again. They split a cookie that's laced with some kind of drug. And there's a, a, a humorous little bit where they're a little too wasted. James actually gets pulled off of the horse racing game because he's completely stoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't even mentioned that Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig um, but they're the park owners, managers, and, and uh, Bill Hader's character steps in uh, to, to run the horse race thing. I read that those two only filmed for four days because yeah. they were still actively shooting SNL. And so every scene of theirs was shot in a four-day period. Also read, neither here nor there, they filmed this in winter because mm-hmm. they were using a real theme park and it closes only in the winter. So they had to do all this extra work to hide the snow in a bunch of scenes, <laughs> like have extras stand in front of the windows so you couldn't see the snow I outside. Think, I think you can tell on occasion that the actors are cold. Like, I think you can. I, I think you can tell it's not summer, uh, but yeah. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's sweating. Let's just say that. It's outside. Nobody's yep. sweating. Exactly. Anyway, um, when the customer when the customer discovers that the hats on the ball game are glued to the mannequin, he punches Joel in the stomach. And when he goes to shove M, James steps in and then realizes, oh, shit, I'm I'm a wimp. What am I doing? But then somehow George McFly's his way to punching <laughs> this guy in the stomach twice. And he takes off. And it's very clear that M is very appreciative of this male gesture of dominance. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, later on, they end up making out. So James decides to tell her about his date with Lisa P because James is an idiot Uh, and she gets cold almost immediately then she ends up at Connell's house in her car bawling her eyes out and when he arrives home she flashes her lights and he panics because Mm -hmm. he's having an affair he's gonna get caught he runs over and he's like oh my god oh my god oh my god she's like I can't do this anymore and he's like okay meet me over at my mom's house and we'll talk in the basement uh, which is a place they've gone to do stuff my my wife heard me come in I've got to go up there uh, or she'll suspect something so Frigo at this point finds out about Em and Connell through another employee who I don't appreciate the way they treat this character in this movie Um, it's probably era appropriate with the slurs that they call him, but uh, I didn't like it. Um, but he has seen them um, doing naked push-ups in the car, uh, having sex in the car, and James is flabbergasted. Well, he's he knows where Ryan Reynolds' 
Connell's mom's house is because Connell took him there. And he's heard stories from Lisa P that Connell likes to take girls to his mom's basement and have sex with them. So he goes there. And again, this is exactly something I would have done in college. If somebody would have said, hey, uh, the girl you like is sleeping with another dude right now, I probably would have gone over there like an idiot. I don't know what he is thinking is going to happen here. But she comes out of the house. She's just broken it off with Connell. She can't live th with this anymore. She wants to go back to being her own age and be a normal person. But he, he, he can't accept any of that right now. He can't even listen to her. He just goes off and says, I, I went on a date with somebody and kissed her. I told you the next day that you've been sleeping with this guy and you haven't said a word to me. And basically, he ends up storming off. He says, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. She says, no, I'm a fucking idiot. And he says, yeah, you are, and walks away. Very uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, but then he decides to tell Lisa P about it. God, he does never learns his lesson. Mm -hmm. I don't think whole, all movie long about telling people, telling the wrong people the wrong things. He asked her to keep it a secret. And I wrote, this guy has a problem with telling things to people that he wants them <laughs> to keep a secret. Lisa P obviously tells everyone about Connell and M. And so the next day at the at the theme park, everyone's staring at M. This guy we've never seen before comes up and does like a drum solo in front of her and says, what, you like musicians, right? And she realizes that everyone knows. So she just walks to the office and quits. That drum uh, solo was blame... amazing, by the way. What? That drum solo was that amazing, was by the way. It was pretty good. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to... I'd have gone gonna... out with him. I mean, that was pretty drumming rush. <laughs> you know, you're already a step up in my book. Then at home, she tells off her stepmom. We've seen her talk about not liking her stepmom. And again, this is a very slice of life kind of movie. It's not going to go too deep into any of these things, but I think it's clear that the loss of M's mother and then the almost immediate replacement with this other woman uh, has really messed up her emotions and how she processes those feelings. And that probably leads to her sleeping with Connell. And anyway, uh, she pulls her stepmom's wig off. Um, James goes alone to a bar. Always a good idea. Drives drunk, crashes into a tree. Uh, and so now he's got to spend all the money he saved to go to Columbia on fixing the car and the rhododendrons of the neighbors. When picking up his last check, he runs into Connell and they kind of make up. Uh, and I love this scene because James corrects Connell on a Lou Reed song title. And it's his way of saying, I know you're full of shit. Um, mm -hmm. And Connell just kind of like smiles and says the correct name of the song. But then he goes right back to telling three young girls the story about Lou Reed. So I don't know that Connell has changed at all that much. Uh, so I'm still labeling him asshole in my book. James goes to New York anyway, which I appreciate because he has no money and he can't go to college there because his friend decided to go to Harvard instead. So he has no apartment. And I don't, there's something missing here because he somehow knows where M lives. And I'm not sure... I might have missed that scene. It might have just gone by too fast for me. But he gets off the bus yeah. in the pouring rain at M's apartment, apologizes to her. And I basically, I don't want to be too strong. I hate the way this movie ends. They go up to her apartment, they kiss, and then they have sex all movie long. He's talked about being a virgin. It's implied that they're going to date and be happy. And I hate that because <laughs> everything leading up to this was messy and this was a life is messy, love is messy movie. And then at the end, it veered into Disney rom-com territory. Yeah. And I don't like it. Um, I don't fault the actors. I wouldn't be surprised if they tested an ending where they bump into each other in New York 
but they don't necessarily sleep together or kiss, but the audience wanted them to end up together. Um, but other than the ending, um, I really, really enjoy this movie. And I think it's because the main character reminds me of myself in so many ways. It's 1987. So while he's college age, 20, 21, I would have been 13. So it's just close enough to the era uh, that it just feels like this could have been part of my reality. I've talked a bunch. I have some other notes and things I want to get to, but Aaron, what did you think this time through Adventureland? My first time through Adventureland, I remember thinking um, that it was a pleasant experience and I had fun with the movie, but that I didn't remember a lot uh, from it. And so I'm very glad to go back to it. I will say my, my opinion hasn't shifted all that much. I still think this is a fun watch. Um, I think for me, I don't connect to the characters as much as you do. And so it's hard, you know, and again, I don't have to see myself in a movie to enjoy a, sure. a, a movie. But there has to be something about the movie that's kind of compelling me to invest that my emotional energy takes into it, it. From a fun watch for you right. to something that hits me a little harder. Right. On, on yeah. My end. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it was struck by a couple things. I'll just mention them. Number one, one of his friends that kind of bookends the movie, one of the friends, the, the friend that lets him down, yeah. decides not to go to Columbia or whatever, ends up going to Harvard, you know, gives him the weed, that guy. That is an actor named Michael Zegan. He is in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I thought that was the first place I'd ever seen him in. He pops hmm. up on the screen, and I was like, it's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh, guy. Wow. I was like, like, because he's like with the main uh, love interest of Maisel. In fact, uh, they were married at the beginning of the show. Um, so that kind of that always surprises me when you go back and watch a movie and you're just like, oh, that actor became this thing, and I didn't even know that I had seen him before. Yeah. Uh, so those are always fun. Uh, I also wanted to mention that Paige Howard looks so much like Bryce Dallas Howard at points in this movie. I mm. thought it was like Bryce Dallas Howard. Like yep. it's it's wild the family resemblance uh, going on there. Um, I think Hater and Wig may be my favorite part of this movie, um, which is weird because they're almost in a different movie. Mm. You know, they are a lot more broad with the comedy they're doing than this movie is going for otherwise. Yep. But every time they're on screen, I find myself leaning in a little bit more um, to to see what's going to happen and what they're going to do. I really, really enjoyed them. Uh, the music is a great, great soundtrack uh, in this uh, yep. movie. Really, really enjoy it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, I wish Ryan Reynolds had more movies where he played against type. I mm. really do. I know he has a couple, but he hasn't really gone through his like um, dramatic phase where he really invests in challenging himself to be a little different, to drop a little bit of the smarm like he does here. Um, I'm not sure it completely works here, but I was captivated by going, okay, here's somebody with a natural charisma that, that Ryan Reynolds has, and he uses that in, in most of his movies, who is playing a character that maybe is ill at ease with their charisma. Like there's, there's an idea for this character that he knows he's a terrible person. Like I think underneath he knows that he's, you know, not being kind and not being nice and that, you know, his idea of men have needs and I'm just meeting those needs, you know, is something that's taking him into a, an immoral or unethical place at least. And I just think there's, there's more going underneath the surface with that character than I usually see Ryan Reynolds play. Mm -hmm. And I love 
watching Ryan Reynolds movies. Like I just love hanging out with a guy ever since two guys, a girl in a pizza place. I just mm-hmm. think he's a, he's a good hang, but I really wish he kind of had like that Jim Carrey, like, you know, run of movies where he yeah. really tested himself and can I be a dramatic actor? And, um, I just don't know that we've seen that from him buried maybe, uh, but the closest would be buried or that, uh, horror movie, uh, Amityville, where yeah. I mean he doesn't do anything funny, but he basically gets possessed pretty early on and just plays like I think he's one of the antagonists in the movie. Um yeah. but yeah, I think he's got something there. But now after Deadpool, Free Guy, and Adam Project, I don't think he's gonna do it. Like I think he's gonna lean more into that, just he's like the rock is leaning the, more into his that, thing. I was just gonna <sighs> say it's the Dwayne Johnson thing, right? Like it's yep. like this is my brand, this is yep. who I am, this is how I'm gonna make my money. Yep. Um, well, this is how and, I'm gonna make my seed money to actually make real money off of yeah. gin and soccer teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and Mint Mobile that he owns. Yes, and, and sold. yeah, and Mobile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I can't blame him, but I agree with you. I think there's some acting talent there to do some outside the box stuff, and maybe we'll get to see it. Uh, I feel like most actors, even the comedic ones, as they get older, take at least one shot at something dramatic, like Robin Williams didn't do almost any drama until like the late nineties, early two thousands. And then mm-hmm. he did a ton of it anyway. Okay. Um, some lines in this that I really liked, uh, where, uh, Bill Hader is explaining, uh, no, it's Joel's explaining, uh, the rules and why nobody gets a big Panda and you know, why the games are so hard. And he says, we pay little Malaysian kids five cents an hour to make these toys. We can't just give them away. <laughs> uh, I thought that was very funny. Uh, I like the running gag of the park, always playing the Amadeus song. I had that in my notes as well. Cause I remember 1987 and that song was everywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, I appreciated that. Um, I love because they play Amadeus 20 times a day. Sadists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, James says to his mom, uh, mom, I thought you wanted me to go to an Ivy League school, like the one I've been accepted to. Um, I love when Joel helps the drunk girl off the ground. She says, you're so strong-ish. And he goes, I'll take that. Um, And yeah, my last note was uh, really appreciate the soundtrack soundtrack choices here. So you had that same note. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting to note that many of the people in this movie, many, went on to be uh, DC or Marvel characters in live action and animated films, hmm. uh, a bunch of them. Uh, I have a couple I want to bring out too. Of, oh, yeah, of, no, like moments, moments that I loved. Um, there's a moment where he asks uh, the, um, the second girl, he's Lisa P. The moment where he asks Lisa P if she's enjoying her wine and she sniffs it through the wine glass. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, like, just the the perfect epitome of somebody who's like trying to act like they know how to tell if wine's good or not. Uh, I just thought that was beautiful. And then a couple of Hater Wig things. There's this moment where, as you mentioned, Hater is taking over the horse racing. Yeah. And oh, Wig so is so happy to watch him do this that she's like mouthing his patter. Like it just cuts to her and she's like mouthing. I just died. <laughs> you can tell that she probably fell in love with him when he was doing this. Back yes, in the day. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and then um, after the hilarious thing where he chases the guy off with the baseball bat. Oh, yeah. And he immediately comes in and just completely does a 180. And then he's just like talking to her about I, the line is. Uh, now that I think about it, the flute is more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, he goes, <laughs> like 
like I guarantee that was ad libbed. Uh, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised just, if they just let them go. Now that I think uh, about it, the flute is more expensive. I just the, those were some fun parts for me. So. <laughs> All right, well, it is tradition on Recotopia for uh, this segment to turn to the super secret double feature. Yes. And uh, I'm excited to see what Aaron has chosen for us today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Some great suggestions in our live chat. And I want everybody who gave super secret double feature suggestions to know your suggestions are better than my choice. That will commonly be the the case uh somebody mentioned somebody mentioned licorice pizza and i was like oh my goodness that is a perfect double feature for this movie licorice pizza is is a great even has call, the but... cringy age gap relationship yes yeah. yes yeah uh you know days and confused was mentioned empire records all good choices there were a couple mentioned that i did think or one mentioned that i did think about immediately which is the way way back oh, um nice because it takes place at a water park yep. and has similar ideas of you know growing up and understanding things and those kind of things i also thought of perks of being a wallflower has a very similar vibe about the guy going through yep. Uh, this thing, so that was another choice. But I went with something that is worse than all of those. Uh, I And by worse, I mean uh, it's a good movie. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people have seen it, which has a lot to, to do with why I would recommend it as a double feature. And that is The Skeleton Twins. Mm. Um, so this is, of course, right off the bat, the obvious connection, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig uh, starring in this. They are brother-sister in this. Um, and there is that same kind of exploring deep topics in those kind of things um as you're trying to process the world around you and the traumas uh, around you it takes out the romantic element because they are siblings uh which i like and allows it to exist um uh in this way so mm. some serious subject matter here but uh if you haven't seen it i highly recommend the skeleton twins um, very interesting as a double feature very interesting this. that folks so, is on max HBO Max, mm -hmm. if you would like to watch that movie. And it's an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. So I will add that to the pile. The pile there is ever go. growing, Aaron. <laughs> Largely <laughs> thanks to you and Chris. Um, all right. Uh, the Skeleton Twins I have not seen, but uh, it sounds like a really good double feature. What is our homework for next week? Next week's movie, we're going back to 2013. I'm stuck in 2013 for some reason. Uh, I want to uh, talk about and see again Philomena. Um, mm. Came out in 2013. One mm. of my favorite movies. In fact, my top five, I think, uh, of that year. Um, this is... I don't really want to say a lot because I don't want to spoil a lot. But uh, you've got uh, actors that you know and love uh, and an interesting and moving uh, subject and progression. So, Interesting. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I have based not on a seen true story. This. I have not seen this. You continue to pick movies I have not seen. Um, <laughs> that I, I continue to pick movies that you don't really like. Um, uh, that's Phil not true. That's not true. Philomena is on YouTube and Voodoo for free. 
It's on Amazon Prime with a subscription, uh, and you can rent it from Apple and Redbox. Uh, so lots of places to get that, and I'm excited to check this out. Yeah, Judy it's uh, Dame Judy Dench yep. and uh, Steve Coogan, uh, who you may know as well, uh, are the leads. And it's it's a it's a really interesting true story, and it's told uh, with a lot of heart and uh, compassion and emotion. Which, if you know me, you know that speaks to me big time. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas, like awkward teenage romance failures <laughs> speak to me listen, um, listen uh, jeremy look i all my you know teenage romance was it was just perfect i didn't have any awkwardness how am no, i supposed to relate to that <laughs> you cheated you absolutely cheated you fell in love early and never looked back well it happens it, it happens. happens to the, the special few um you're welcome you i had like 12 different girls i was sure i was gonna marry um <laughs> All right, let's do some questions before I spill too, uh, spill too much of my own <laughs> heartbreak. It's a different podcast. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. What is your favorite actor's worst movie? Ah, uh, this was a tough one for me because until I looked at this question, I don't know that I had ever put any thought to who my favorite actor was before in my life. That may sound ridiculous to you, knowing how much I love movies. I have just never thought of ranking my favorite actors. I have a lot of actors. I love their work. I love what they do, but it's just weird. My brain had never gone there to actually ranking them. Um, so I just, I just thought of three of my favorites. Uh, one, I've already mentioned Jim Carrey, certainly a favorite uh, actor of mine. Um, his worst movie that I've seen, by the way, did you know, a little aside here, did you know that Jim Carrey made a dark crime drama in 2016 called Dark Crimes or something like that? <laughs> this is a movie? <laughs> this, is a, this is a real movie no, that came out. Didn't know uh, that. Yeah, it's literally called Dark Crimes. Okay. And he is the central figure in this solving it like it looked like like a real like gritty dark crime movie i didn't know i had no clue it existed i didn't That's even wild. know it existed it's wild anyways i haven't seen that one uh but i would probably go with dumb and dumber 2 uh for for his worst uh movie that movie is pretty terrible um kate winslet was in the divergent movies uh and those aren't all that great uh <laughs> and <laughs> Do you ever just say something sucks or are you just uh, like sure, wired? Sure, to... I can do that. Uh, Emma Stone was in a movie called Movie 43, and that movie sucks. That movie that sucks. Movie that movie is terrible. That movie sucks. Hugh uh, Jackman has testicles on his chin. That's all you yeah. need to know about that movie. <laughs> movie 43 is, by, by the way, Kate Winslet also in Movie 43. So I probably could have counted that for both uh, Kate Winslet and Emma Stone. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. Those are my choices. That's funny. Uh, it's odd to me because you are such a ranker obsessively of mm -hmm. movies and you're always updating your, your all-time list. Yeah. And you do a list every year. It's surprising to me that you never made a list of actors. Um, I just It never occurred to me to rank human beings. <laughs> I am very confident that in the next 20 or 30 years, the answer to my favorite actor question will be Chris Pine or Nicholas Holt. Hmm. Um, but uh, for now, I'm still going Denzel. Um, and I have said he's my favorite actor for several years now. And it's hard to find a bad Denzel movie. I went through the whole IMDb, and there's really only one or two, but it has to be Virtuosity with Russell Crowe, which is objectively terrible, but I actually like that movie. Uh, with a sci-fi concept of a vicious 
serial killer being imprisoned in a computer, somehow getting a physical body, and then taunting the cop that arrested him by killing people. It's not good, but man, do I like that movie. Uh, but that's got to be Denzel's worst movie. Um, he's not in uh, movie 40, 65, <laughs> no. whatever he's going to be. No, he is not. Uh, in the chat, we got some good answers. Humphrey Bogart in Sahara. Tashiro Mifun in Spielberg's 1941. Brando in Teahouse of the August Moon. Let's hear it. God, that movie is awkward as hell to watch. <clears throat> Robert, Robert Downey Jr. was in The Shaggy Dog 2006. Jessica Chastain in The Help. I'm curious how The Help is perceived these days because when it came out, it was hugely popular. Sure. Uh, but I think it's a little more complicated today than... It's made the transition fairly quickly to a white savior uh, movie. It definitely has that yeah. kind of uh, approach to it. So, yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of great actors in it, though. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Emma Stone also in that. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Neill in The Piano. Uh, good answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you ever been in a situation in real life that felt like a scene from a specific movie? Yeah, I, it's funny how that happens sometimes. I have a couple stories I could tell. Uh, one is my friends and I uh, on our summer vacation, we have uh, three other families that we have vacationed with every summer since we graduated from college. And uh, the three guys and I went out into the golf course behind this resort place we were staying at to look for golf balls. We were going to go play golf. None of us are really golfers. We didn't have a ton of golf balls. So we went out to, to look for golf balls. Now this was in South Carolina and we had been warned when we got there that, uh, on the golf course, there may be some wildlife, uh, maybe some alligators that you, you want to watch out for as the non South Carolina people we are, we thought, well, they have to tell you that, you know, they, they have to warn you about these things, but that's, that's not really, really a concern. So we're out, <laughs> we're out looking for golf balls, you know, and so we're walking into the rough and walking around this, you know, marshy, uh, lake kind of area looking for little white, you know, golf balls or whatever. And our wives are all on the deck. Uh, of the place watching us, you know, from above, uh, watching out for gators or whatever. And we hear in the distance, one of our wives go, gator. And we, we look, and I think she was seven feet long, and she was three feet from me coming out of, of this lake. I have never seen jaws that could <laughs> mess me up. Uh, that much, that close to me in my life. So immediately, all four of us start running away in zigzags because before we went out, we had talked about if there are any gators, run zigzag because they they can't they can only run a straight line. So all four of us, our wives are watching from this balcony as all four of us in different directions are just zigzagging across the, the <laughs> golf course away from this alligator. And I just thought that is that is such a movie scene. That is. Such a scene. Uh, it's a great shot just from above, like a drone shot of the four of us like fleeing uh, this gator. So oh, it was man. scary initially, but as soon as as soon as I realized it wasn't actually coming after us, uh, it got pretty funny. But she came all the way out of the water. Turns oh. out she was guarding a nest. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I have played golf in Florida with my father and, in, and encountered gators, but they have always just been lying by the shore of a lake mm -hmm. or a pond. They've never. Yeah. 
I did nearly get attacked by a sandhill crane on a Florida golf course. There you those go. things are like four foot tall. Again, protecting a nest. I was going for my ball that I hit into the rough. Crane mm-hmm. approaches me, starts jumping up and down in a straight line, flapping its wings. That could have been an answer for this question. But instead, the other, uh, <clears throat> the other story uh, that I won't go into as much detail is the time I accidentally offered John Krasinski a chance to wife swap. Um, and we can talk about that at some other uh, point. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> we need to launch an After Dark podcast and we're going to talk about that. Um, I have two stories. Um, there used to be this play in Chicago. I doubt, I don't think you went. You might have, but you might have heard of it. Uh, when we were in college called Too Much Light Too makes Much the Light Makes the blind. Baby Go Blind. Did you ever yeah. go watch them? I absolutely have been to Too Much Light. Okay. Yeah. So there was a book of plays that were performed all around the world. Um, called too much light makes the baby go blind but when we were watching it the plays were generally different every time we went Mm -hmm. was the idea was 31 act plays in an hour um and a lot of it is improv-ish but they've got the play titles all across the top on a clothesline and mm-hmm. the audience yells out the play they want to hear based on the t- like they have a sheet. I think titles. it's numbers, right? Like we see yeah, numbers. Yeah, you in yell the out audience. numbers. Nineteen or whatever. Yeah. Whichever yeah. actor hears the f- number first, jumps up and grabs that play, calls out the title, and then they do that play. And they're usually mm-hmm. like a minute or two long. Yeah. The other cool thing about Too Much Light was you rolled the dice on your way in the door, mm-hmm. um, and however much you rolled was how much you paid on top of three dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they sold out. They ordered pizza for everybody. It was mm-hmm. awesome. I went like three or four times. Anyway, went with Josh and uh, friend Jason and somebody else. I forget who was with us. And after that, it was like two in the morning. We're ready to go home. We're an hour from college. And we turn the wrong direction and literally end up in Cabrini Green, which is where the original, I think even the even the remake of Candyman is set. Um and we joked about being in the movie Candyman, um, but uh, that was the extent of that. I don't think it really counts. I don't really have any that really count. <laughs> uh, but then another story from college that feels like a Seinfeld episode, and I'm sure I've told this before, but I was at a video store uh, across the street from campus, family video. You might remember where it was at. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. And I had a trade-out agreement with the manager, and I would let him see free movies at the movie theater, and he would let me have free rentals. So Josh and I were in there all the time renting movies and we were checking out one day and there was this girl working that I had never seen before and she was gorgeous. And I'm, I, I think I've approached two women in my life that I didn't know. Uh, mm-hmm. It hasn't gone well either time, but this time I, I decided to say, is there a boyfriend or some other significant other in your life that might have a problem with you giving me your number? <laughs> And she smooth. said, smooth, Jeremy. She, she said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm back in five days later, getting another video. And the manager comes up to me and he goes, did you ask so-and-so out? And I was like, well, yeah. And he starts laughing and he said, she's a lesbian. And I was like, oh, that's just perfect. That's just perfect. And that was humorous to me until two weeks later, I saw her with a guy in the movie theater making out and i realized whatever her preferred sexuality is uh, it's not going to cross paths with mine like <laughs> it's not jeremy <laughs> it's not jeremy um and i just always felt like that was very seinfeldian of like i've asked out two girls who were strangers in my life and one of them was a lesbian that's great that's amazing. um all right we got time for one more and then we'll say goodbye um is there a fictional movie within a movie that you actually kind of want to watch 
I thought about this one for a while. My first thought was to go to 22 Jump Street with a lot of those, you know, oh, ridiculous yeah. sequels at the yeah. end. Like how many of those I would I would want to watch. And I think they were legitimately talking about doing a 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover at one they point. Were. They were. It just never yeah. happened. Um, but I eventually went with From Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The 14 Fists of McCluskey. Uh, which which appears to be a Inglorious Bastards type movie that uh, Rick Dalton was in because um, he takes a flamethrower to some Nazis. Uh, I just want I just want to see that uh, that whole movie. So it does yeah. kind of feel like an Inglorious Bastards, and then he somehow goes home with that flamethrower. That's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to see the Bruce Willis Julia Roberts movie uh, from the it's end. A of great the choice. Year. Yeah. Um, because if they shoot the whole thing the way they shot that last scene then it would be so amazing so good yeah <laughs> if they kept it like straight and didn't uh -huh. break yeah uh, and i also from state and maine which will eventually be a main recommend on this show uh they talk a lot about gandhi 2 in that movie and the, did you see the box office for gandhi 2 and i just i just want to know like I, I get that the point of the joke is that it's that absurd but i kind of want to see what you would shoot to do that like what how does that work? I'm pretty, I've never seen Gandhi, but doesn't he die at I the can, end of that movie? I can show you a, a trailer for Gandhi 2. Oh, yeah? Because it's in UHF. They do uh, a Gandhi 2 trailer in UHF. I've never seen UHF. I know everybody's <gasps> going to flog me. I'm changing from Philomena to UHF. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I, I know everybody's going to flog me. I just, I never, I never got to it. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yes, the Gandhi 2 trailer is in uh, in UHF. I wonder right. if that's even if State and Maine is kind of riffing on that a little they bit. It must be. It's got to be a reference know. to that. Yeah. Could be. It's wild. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this show, everybody. Thanks to the live chat for coming out and weighing in uh, and keeping us on our toes. Uh, next week's big recommend will be Philomena, which you can watch for free on YouTube right now or on Amazon Prime with a subscription. Uh, and we will see and talk at all you beautiful faces and ears in a week. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Take care of your beautiful faces and ears. <laughs> Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com if i'm gonna make it through this day what's that i don't know if i'm gonna make it through this day it's a trade deadline the orioles absolutely have to add a pitcher or two and they haven't yet and they have till 6 p.m to do it you know it, it must be fun to have a baseball team to root for that's in the mix that must be I mean, uh <laughs> listen i the orioles were in the mix i don't know seven ten years ago i think 2010 yeah. 2012 somewhere around in there uh and then in 2016 i think they made the playoffs uh, but they have been bad for most of my life. And once they got the GM, well, their GM, but the, the assistant GM from Houston who built the Astros into a contender year after year, we knew that it was only a matter of time because he's going to make these great draft picks with all of our suckitude, and he <laughs> has. And now we've got four of those draft picks in the regular roster with three or four more banging on the door. Mm -hmm. We're going to trade one or two of them, and we're going to get a pitcher, but I need it to happen so I can settle. <laughs>
When's the last time the Orioles won the World Series? 1983. 80, 80, I was going to say. years old. The year before the Tigers did. I thought I thought it was Baltimore won in 83 and the Tigers won it in 84. Yep. So uh, I'm rooting for the Orioles to win the World Series this year because that means we'll win that next means, year. Yeah, so. the cycle will continue back. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm rooting for your team. Uh, that's how it works, right? Meanwhile, uh, the Tigers, all they have to do is play 500 ball and they'd, uh, you know, be a half a game out of first place. Uh, and they're, so how far are they actually out? Do you know? Six and a half. They're six and a half games back. But that division, they could still, they could still make the playoffs. It's wild, man. It's, it's, that division is so weird. The Twins are, you know, one game over 500 and they're winning the division right now. So. <laughs> Whereas, like, the last place team in the ALA East is the Yankees, and they're over 500. Yeah, they're four games over 500. Yes, the first place team in the Central would be the last place team in the, the East. So That's wild. That's yeah, wild. in fact, there's only one other team that's under 500 in the entire American League that's not in the Central, and that's the, the A's. It's oh, wow. the only other team in the entire American League not in the Central that, that is under 500. Uh, so is that uh, is that 83 championship the last time one of your sports teams won a uh, championship? No, because um, the Colts won the Super Bowl in 2006. Okay. With Peyton. Um, and then I followed, I, I rooted for the Broncos while Peyton played for them, and I kept rooting for the Colts, of course. And then mm -hmm. Peyton won another Super Bowl with the Broncos, but that's not my team. Yeah, it's like an auxiliary. Um, you can count that as like an auxiliary championship. Yeah, for you, so yeah, 83 with the Orioles, uh, 2006 with the Colts. And you know, I don't think the Pacers have ever won the NBA championship. Hmm. No, I don't think and, so. And uh, yeah, the Predators have not won. So, yeah, that's have the Predators point. always been your hockey team? Like, did you have a hockey yeah. team growing up? <clears throat> no, didn't know, didn't know crap about hockey until okay. I got here and uh, actually got into hockey via video games. So I lived with four other guys for a couple years when we first moved to town in a house. And we got mm -hmm. this NHL game on uh, PlayStation. It was like NHL 99. Um, <clears throat> and we just got really into playing it. And we played as the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, who that era were really, really good. And so that year we watched the playoffs because the Avalanche were in the playoffs and that hooked me on hockey. And then I decided to go see a Predators game live and that hooked me on the Preds. So Nice, nice. Yeah, my last championship was 2008 and that was the Wings. Uh, that was the Red Wings last championship. Yeah, um, we hate those guys. <laughs> you no, think they're, they're hardly of... rivals anymore now that the division no. sh shook up but no yeah, they're 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 not great anymore but they they for a long time were kind of the yankees of hockey in some mm -hmm. ways um but uh yeah so they were always fun to root for other than that the pistons won in 2004 over the lakers and then it's just kind of you know dry before that all the way to 1984 so now i was a big isaiah thomas fan um as you should be and uh so yeah it was fun watching the pistons in that era when they didn't they mm -hmm. repeat no, they won two. They won back to back, um, and then Jordan took uh, over. And Jordan became Jordan. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. They should have won three. They should have beat LA the year before they won their first one. It's mm. ridiculous they didn't win that series. I'm 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 hoping the winning time show makes it all the way to that series. I oh, I because that is a really interesting. Wouldn't that be like eleven seasons of show though. Like it it might be. Well, I mean I've I've seen season two. Um, you have? And yes. And so I is got it an, out? 
No, 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 no. I got screeners uh, for season two. <laughs> it's fun. It was funny watching the last couple episodes because they are complete. Like the effects are completely undone. So it's like watching basketball with green. Like there's just green screen. Oh, like wow. sheets, you got like, like all around the court. Finished screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. Did you enjoy that as much as the first season? Did you like the first season? I don't. I think I'm under embargo as far as like telling you how I enjoyed the second season, but oh. I can tell you that the it's not exactly a season per year so like so they it, don't it, just go to the second season of magic's career right second season correct correct all right well then um, maybe they'll get to, get up to that i hope so i think they would because that was magic's title like he he won that title and i think that was his last title so we're gonna hit a tipping point man where enough of the people in this country can't afford to live <laughs> like I don't know when it is. I, I was telling my wife recently, I'm honestly starting to think it's possible I may see the end of the world. Like, mm. whether it's aliens or nuclear war or climate change or pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to be so confident that all of that stuff was going to happen after I was dead. Mm -hmm. And I'm losing that confidence. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Like, yeah. it's genuinely I a possibility. Can I tell you that? Can I tell you though that every generation feels that way? Like I remember talking to my grandparents, you know, 10, 20 years ago, just being like, you know, the world is ending. I, you know, I'm going to see the world end. You know, all that kind of thing. Now it will hmm. come at some point, but it's amazing how as we age, we feel like, yeah, it's probably it's probably coming sooner than we thought. I'm sure that's <laughs> I'm sure that's part of it, right? Like be, becoming more aware subconsciously mm -hmm. of my own mortality right um i get that but also like you know the idea that the, the gulf stream and the ocean might collapse as soon as two years from now like i don't think people comprehend exactly how catastrophic that would be like oh damn too bad for the ocean but no like it's gonna be <laughs> so much worse than that like isn't so that the plot of 2012 is it the golf? Is it? Isn't I think the Gulf Stream is like one of the first things that sets off uh, 2012. Have some intentional blockers in place about. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jeremy, uh, aliens is just AI with uh, with an extra lens. So, aliens is just AI with an extra lens. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I just think it's more. I just think it's more likely uh, that the AI, like actual. Super intelligent, uh, artificial intelligence um, is probably what's going to end I mean, our dominance on this planet. It only took Ultron about 30 seconds to realize <laughs> humanity had to go. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy how many movies there's been about this, and now we're on the precipice of the possibility of it. It's just crazy. We'll see. There are some, there are some scientists who still don't believe it's possible. Like, they, that there is, there is a missing element of the ability for any kind of artificially generated quote unquote intelligence to actually make that turn um, to, to sentience like that. But why would they send you an unfinished screener? <laughs> That's kind of industry standard. I don't think people realize how much work is going on on stuff right up until it releases. Now, of course, the episodes with that are truly unfinished. They're still months from now. They're towards the end of the season. So like this is coming out weekly so they've got, you know, months to get those effects finished and that kind of stuff. But I still feel like that's a really 
you're sending this to critics. Yes. You're yes. sending a subpar version of your thing to critics. If it's in, and it's industry standard. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.